Hello, beautiful folks. Here we are for another episode of Conscious Cycling. We are going to be shifting a little bit today as we begin a six-week tarot journey. Some of you may ask, what does tarot have to do with cycle awareness? And that's a very good question. And if you have ever been around me when I am doing a tarot reading, you will know how it comes into play because cycle awareness informs basically everything that I do. It is the foundation upon which I see the world and which I move and be in the world. So when I am reading tarot, I am seeing it through the lens of cycles. And if you know anything about tarot already, you will know that the major arcana, the first 22 cards in the deck, go through their own journey of cycles of life, death, and rebirth. There is even literally a death and rebirth card in my deck, my very favorite deck, the Lightseer's Tarot. And in all of the suits, going from ace to ten, it goes through a journey from beginning, that rebirth energy in the ace, and then the completion in the ten, and spatterings of life and death through all of the numbers. So as we journey through tarot and using tarot as a spiritual guide connection to our divine self, our true self, and to help empower us to be who we want to be in the world, I hope that these six weeks together will support you in understanding who you are and empowering you to be who you want to be in the world. But before we begin with our very first episode of What is Tarot? Going through the basics and the history, I would love to invite you to a free workshop or by donation if you are able that I am holding on Saturday, April 16th under the full moon. We are going to learn how to read tarot intuitively. I have a beautiful workshop arranged and set up for you to tap into your intuitive powers, working with your own deck and working with your own situation and question, and hopefully unpacking some of the layers that may be hindering you from understanding your situation fully. So it's going to be a great time together in community, tapping into our intuitive powers, creating a spread and working with the tarot to tap into our most empowered self. So if that sounds like something you are ready to engage with, come and join us again Saturday, April 16th. It will be at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, and even if you're not able to join us live, you will receive the recording afterwards and have lifetime access to it so you can watch it over and over again whenever a new question or situation arises. Not going to take up too much more of your time because we have lots to talk about today about what tarot is, why we use it, the history in my own personal journey with tarot, as well as the very end of this podcast, there is a collective reading for peace and harmony. So stay till the end to hear what comes through in the cards. So let's get started. Hello, hello. All right. Hello, those of you jumping on here early. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, this is going to be a, a fun time together today, learning all about the basics of tarot. So I'm just going to give a little, give a little outline of what we're going to go through today. Uh, I'm just going to share a little bit about the basics. Um, so for those of you that aren't as familiar, what the tarot is actually made up of. 
Um, then we'll do a little bit of history. History on tarot is a little bit challenging, and I'll share about why that is. And then um, we'll go into why, the reason why, why do we use it, um, and and how we can use it. Um, and yeah, just just saying that this is the beginning of a, I'm doing a six-week series on tarot. So this is just the beginning, just the start of getting our foundation, our understanding about what it is. Next week, we'll go into the more details. Um, we'll be exploring the Major Arcana, which is the first 22 cards in the deck. And we'll go into detail about what um, what those are, what they mean, how to work with them. And then the week after that, we'll go into um, the specific suits. So we'll do wands the week after that, then the cups the week after that, and then the I'm trying to figure out how I set it up in the swords and the pentacles, I think is how I set it up. Wands, cups, swords, pentacles. And the last week, um, the full moon, we'll be doing a workshop on how to read intuitively. Um, all right, so let's just get let's just get started. If we have time at the end too, we might pull pull a couple of collective cards, um, just so we can um see what it looks like to do to do some readings as well. So what is what is the tarot? Hmm. I really feel when we're working with things like um like tarot, these spiritual tools that we have to connect with ourselves, I think it's really important that we don't get stuck on like one specific way of doing it, one specific, you know, meaning, um, because it can mean numerous things for numerous um, people and perspectives. So I'd love to have other definitions and things that you would like to share as we move through this. So the definition I have um, come to today, just as I was writing this all out, is um, tarot is a deck of cards. So we've got this beautiful deck of cards here. Um, and they are symbolizing an archetypal map of consciousness that we explore throughout our lives. So that's sort of like the general. Um, what these cards are showing us is this archetypal map um, flowing, you know, with our consciousness, um, showing different different energies that we experience in our lifetime. There are um, there are seventy eight cards in the deck. Um, most decks there are some that are um, have less, some that have more. Um, but the the sort of standard standard deck has seventy eight cards. The first twenty two cards um, are called the Major Arcana, and um, the Major Arcana are the um, sort of like the the bigger picture. Um, they are like the the lifetime the lifetime arcs the lifetime story um, stories that we go through, and the very first card um, number zero so it's unnumbered number zero is the fool, and so some people like to call this the fool's journey. So we start the start the deck with the fool. And then we see the different um, energies of consciousness, these archetypes that the full journeys through in the first 22 um, cards. And other people, you can also connect it to what is known as the hero's journey or the heroine's journey. If you use gendered language, that's why I use the fool's journey because I feel like the fool can be any any gender, right? Um, and we can all we can all feel that sense of. Um, being a fool at times, that sense of um, being innocent and just ready to start um, an adventure, like jumping with two feet in um, the adventure of our lives, right? So um, that's the first 22 cards. And then there are four different suits, just like, um, you know, a regular playing deck of cards, except the suits are usually, these change depending on what, what decks you use, but they're usually the wands, the cups, the swords, and the pentacles. Um, and so those are the four suits. Each four suit has 10 numbers. 
So one through 10 that goes through a cycle. Usually one is usually the beginning, 10 is the ending until it starts again with one. And then there are four um, court cards. So usually the page, the knight, the queen, and the king. Um, and those are, those names change depending on the deck as well. I did pull out the four queens <laughs> of my deck just to show you the different suits. Um, and yeah, so we have, we have the suit of wands. Here's the queen of wands from my deck. Um, wands is, uh, connected to the element of fire, which is why we asked that question about the elements earlier. Um, and we'll get more into wands in our, what week did I say? That'll be our third week. Yeah. So we're on week one now. Our, our third week, we'll get into the, the wands and, um, dive deeper into what wands mean for us. But there's the wands and then there are cups. So here's the queen of cups. Um, cups is, uh, more obviously connected to the element of water, um, talking about, or I should say wands. Wands is usually talking about actions that we take. Um, it's the doing, um, in our lives. The cups is, um, connected to the heart space and the emotions, things we are feeling. And then we have the swords. Here's the queen of swords. Swords being connected to the element of air with the, um, the throat and the mind, what we're thinking, um, what's happening in our mental landscape and what we're, what we're speaking, what we're putting, putting out. And the last one is pentacles, queen of pentacles. I love, I love the queen of pentacles. <laughs> um, and the queen of pentacles connected to earth energy and it's connected to the, to the material, to the physical body, to, um, wealth, to the, the more material, um, environment, um, places that we can, those tangible things that we can touch, touch and sense. Um, Robin, yes, this deck is, is by far my favorite. Um, it's called the Lightseer's Tarot, um, by Chris Ann. So I've never, I had a more, we'll go through the history and I'll share a little bit more about that, but, um, I had a more, uh, traditional deck that's based on, um, the earlier historical decks, but, uh, it did not, I did not connect with it. And I found, um, I find the decks that are more centered on like, um, whiteness and centered on like what, like they, the more historical decks for me tend to be more, um, more constricted in their, in their perspective. And so I, I really love these new decks now that are a lot more diverse and hold a lot more, um, perspective and story to them. But it really is, um, finding a deck that really works, works for you. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Um, okay. So let's talk about, um, oh, I shared the major arcana, right? The major arcana was the first 22, um, cards. And then all of the suits together, the 56 cards of the suits are called the minor arcana. And those um, are representing more of like day-to-day -day situations. Whereas the major arcana is sort of like those life, those lifetime arcs, the bigger picture, right? And the minor arcana is the, the more day-to-day -day, um, things that are happening, um, the, that more detailed, detailed picture. Okay, let's talk a little bit about tarot history. Um, there's lots of, lots of different people saying different things, and I'm just gonna stick with what has been, like, researched and accepted by most of the scholars that have researched tarot. So, tarot first entering, um, it wasn't as tarot, right? We're talking about just decks of cards. Um, decks of cards entered Europe, uh, mainly in Italy, in the late 14th century, mid to late 14th century. And it's kind of unclear how they got there. 
Um, you'll hear many different stories about how um, how cards arrive there. The first records are found in writings where um, people, mainly the church, was saying what was what card games were permitted and which ones were not. Like really telling you know which card games were um, were evil and shouldn't be used. Mainly the ones that were used for gambling and um, other ones that were okay um, okay to to use. Mainly the ones that were used by the rich people because the church didn't want to offend um, those people that were their patrons and giving them money. So. Um, you know, those interesting connections that we find all throughout history. Um, the first decks were very similar to, um, you know, what regular playing cards are, because playing cards kind of, um, formed one branch and the tarot formed a different one, but they all started from the basics, um, from this basic deck that was found, um, in Europe at this time. And they had... Um, four suits of 13 cards each, um, and I think the the suits were the batons, the coins, the swords, and the cups. And then when it shifted to France and when the printing press was came about, the playing card suits changed to what we know now as the, what are they, the clubs, the spades, the hearts, and the diamonds, because they were easier to print. Um, whereas the tarot continued on with this energy of the baton, coins, swords, and cups. Um, and so this was right around the time where the printing press was um, being invented and becoming available. But before that, these cards were either um, woodblock printed, and that was for more like more mass-produced regular folks um, that could afford, um, you know, that needed a modest modest price for decks. But then there were these like really elaborate decks that were painted um, by hand, sometimes with like with gold, with gemstones, I mean like with these really elaborate paints that were commissioned um, by rich, rich families, royalty um, in the areas. And the trump cards, which um, are now known as the Major Arcana, um, usually were painted after family members. Um, and so a family member like got to be a part of this uh, playing this playing deck, because at this point the cards were just used for playing games. There was no divination at this time. Um, and then sort of like the first the first mention of tarot is in the early 1500s, a game called what I believe Tarocci um, appeared in Italy, and it was this it was this game where um, somebody would pick a card out, and this was working with the trump cards, so those major arcana cards, um, those you know archetypal life story cards. Somebody would choose one of those cards, and then um, the people would have to write a humorous poem about the person. Um, that um, chose that card and what that card meant for that person. So this is sort of like a, um, this is when we start seeing more introduction to using these cards, more intuitive sense, more, um, you know, more of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't, I can't, the word has slipped my, slipped my mind, but that sense of like, um, getting into more like archetypal meanings for this and ascribing them to the people that were choosing the cards. Uh, but it wasn't actually until the late 18th century, um, in France where the cards were, um, beginning to be used for divination purposes. Um, by an occultist, Jean-Baptiste Alliette, um, and he was the first first person in record that was said to be using um, the tarot, what we now know as the tarot deck for um, divination purposes. So that's sort of like the the short the short history, um, and you know because it like. It evolved slowly over a few centuries, right? And so there's many different um, aspects of that. And 
it still continues to evolve, but um, in a very slower, very slower pace now. Um, so what we know now is sort of like that root in the late 18th century, um, 1790s in, uh, in Europe. So that's what we have. That's what we have today. Mm. Okay. So, and I don't have, um, I don't have one of the most common decks. Um, the Rider Waite Smith deck is, um, probably the, the widest used, the most well-known imagery. I do not have one because I do not, I don't connect with that imagery myself. Um, maybe I should get one just to, just to show, but, um, if you want to look it up, the Rider Waits um, Smith deck, and, um, a lot of the tarot cards now come from that understanding, um, of the Rider Waits deck. And so they are, um, coming with that archetypal understanding of those images and symbols, and then people interpret them in their own ways to create tarot decks, um, these days. Let's just talk a little bit about what tarot is used for. Um, and so tarot is mainly used for, um, cartomancy, which cartomancy just means divination using cards. And, you know, we can, we can use divination in many different ways. Um, divination, there's crystal balls, there's scrying with water, with mirrors, there's, um, crystal grids, there's, you know, divination, you basically can divination by springs and waters, like with the earth. I mean, there's many different ways that we can, um, connect to, to divination and, um, divination just basically meaning understanding the understanding meaning, um, like getting, getting below the surface and understanding what the meaning of something is. Um, and so tarot is just a way to understand understand meaning through using these cards and the archetypal energies that they hold. And so um, they can be really confused by people thinking that they are fortune predictors, you know, fortune telling or future predictions, which that um, that is not, that's not how I understand tarot. That's not how I read tarot. Um, I really, I don't see them as, as predictions of the future because our future, nothing is set in stone in our future, I believe. Um, all there is is possibilities and we get to choose, um, choose our steps in the present to allow the future to unfold in the way that it will. So I really, um, use tarot to reveal, so revealing things that are hidden. So things that may be in the subconscious that we're not aware of, shadows um, that we're holding onto, a lot of that dealing with the past, right? Revealing these hidden things from past experiences um, as a way to bring them to the surface so that we can integrate them and we can heal, um, heal those things from the past. When you're in the present, asking questions about the present, it's really about just understanding all of the different elements that are um, informing the way you're experiencing this present situation, this present um, where you are in life right now. And so the cards can help you see some of those things you can't see that are, you know, you, a lot of times we're, we're very blinded by things. Um, we see in one, one way, one perspective, and we're missing everything that is, that is around. And the tarot can help us see some of those things um, that are around us. And then when things come up about the future, I believe the tarot is really just showing us potential possibilities that could be in our future. And so then we get to use that as an empowering tool to decide, like, if you pull up, um, I'll say one of the more negative cards, right? If you pull the devil, um, for something in the future, that is shining a light on where you want to go, where you don't want to go. So that, um, 
You know, you probably don't want the devil energy to be dominating your future. And so choosing now in the present, what choices do I want to make that that will not, um, you know, become the reality? And how can I learn from this devil archetypal energy um, to, to choose the future that I want for myself? So it's just sort of like shining, shining a light on those potential possibilities so that you can make empowered choices here. Um, in the present of where and how you want to live, want to live your life. Um, and so that's really, I, I myself as a tarot reader, that's where I try to root myself into um, the present and how can we use these um, images and stories as empowering choices for us um, to, to live the way that we want to live, um, that we all have that birthright to live um, from a place of of power and joy. So how can we, um, how can the how can the tarot support us in that? Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna read through here. I wrote some notes down. See what what I have missed so far. I I really feel like, you know, the more the more you use your tarot um, and oracle decks as well, they can also help help you learn more about yourself, right? Guide you towards this deeper understanding of who you are because they're getting to those sort of hidden parts of, of who you are, helping you, um, helping them come to the surface, helping you realize those, um, those things that are hidden, right? And so you're, you're learning more about yourself by working with the tarot. And on the flip side, that the more you understand yourself, the more you can understand the guidance from the tarot. So they're like, it's like working, working together because the more that you understand yourself, you know, you pull a card and you know exactly what you, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's this, what this is talking about because I understand that within myself and I'm connected to my intuition to understand that. Um, and so it's sort of like they, they inform one another where you just get, um, to a place of deeper and deeper knowledge and wisdom about who you are, the more that you work with them. I'm a very, I'm a very intuitive reader. I read very intuitively based on, you know, the, the images that I see, the colors, the different symbols that are in the image, um, what I'm feeling in my body, um, at that time, just the images that are coming directly, you know, from some divine spirit into me. And then, um, and then using that from a foundation of knowing what the actual card means. So knowing what the high priestess means, right? The high priestess being the one that is very connected to the intuition, um, knowing that as the archetypal energy of the high priestess, and then using my own um, intuition to connect to whatever question I asked it or situation that I'm experiencing. Um, and so, and sometimes my intuition picks up something in the card that is, has nothing to do with the meaning. And I would just let that flow because I picked the card for a reason and it meant to come through in that way. Um, so any questions, any questions you have about this? Are you following any religion or just being spiritual? Yeah. So I, um, I mostly aligned with, um, I, I would call myself, um, a pagan druid witch. So that's um, what I most mostly align to is connection with the earth, the seasons of the earth, um, with my body and um, from my ancestry. So as I've explored my ancestry more and did my own decolonization, um, looking for those pre the pre Christian roots um, in my ancestry, and so. Um, that's what I most, most align with at the moment, but like anything, it's ever, ever flowing and changing and, and moving. So, um, yeah, that's me. How long I've been working with tarot. Okay. My history with tarot. So for those of you that know, those of you that know some of my story, I, um, I come from a 
evangelical, more fundamentalist Christian background. And um, so in those, <laughs> in those circles that I was in until my mid-20s, um, you know, tarot was very, very evil. Um, it was, it was witchcraft <laughs> and all witchcraft is evil, which, um, I'm now, I'm now a witch, um, ironically, but, um, so that's the, that's the background I came from. I came from this very negative view of tarot thinking like it was the devil's work, um, which is not, not true at all because it's all based on our own, right? Our own understanding and intuition that we put, put into that. Um, and then it was a friend, a friend that, uh, was here in India, um, had, um, has, well, they, they still have an aunt, um, that, that is a witch and, um, the aunt was sharing, you know, sharing about tarot and their practices. And, um, so my friend started getting interested and said like, oh, I think I just want to try getting a reading done and seeing what that's all about. And so, um, there was really three of us at that time started just exploring what that, what that looks like. Um, I then bought one of those friends, um, a deck and we started using it, um, together. And then, um, I got my first, I actually got my first reading done in Thailand, um, by a, um, I was just talking about it with my friend today, a Chinese guy, um, that, um, read my, read my cards for me in, in Thailand. And, um, I can't remember when that, when that was, it must've been about six, six years ago. Um, yeah. And then I bought my first deck and, um, we've been, we've been tight ever since me and Tarot. <laughs> Um, and I, I pull, I pull a card almost every day, um, at least one card every day. Um, and that's a great way to get to know a deck, um, just pulling a daily card or, um, working through at least the major arcana over like 22 days. If you pick one card from the major arcana and work through that, that's a great way to, to learn about your deck. Um, see if you see if you've got some good, um, vibrations together, some good energy together, um, with your deck. Um, I will do a collective, I'll do a collective reading just so we can have some experience about what that, what that looks like. Wondering if anybody has, um, thinking about collectively what's happening in the world, um, what's happening for, um, all of us here in our circle. Wondering if there is a theme you want to explore, and we'll see how it comes through in the tarot. Um, so I'm wondering, we can, can, we can combine some of these together. So this idea about, um, okay, so different ways you can read tarot. So um, most of the time I read just with a situation or a question, and I pull, um, I usually start with pulling just three cards. And then seeing how the story sort of unfolds, seeing if more cards need to be pulled for clarification, for more understanding. Um, sometimes that's how I read for other people normally. How I read for myself, sometimes I also do that. I just pick cards um, intuitively, what's coming through. Sometimes I do spreads um, and I, I create spreads as well for... Um, for any of you that are in the Sacred Cycles Coven, my online community, I create a spread every month um, for them there. And I love, I love creating spreads, but I don't use them very often for myself. Um, except for, um, as I'm reading through these, I'm seeing like, I'm seeing a spread form in my mind because you want to address different, um, different topics um, that have the same sort of theme together. So I'm feeling this, um, connection to definitely this peace and harmony, right? This emotional connection and these obstacles, um, that are coming in the way of that peace and harmony, right? So we can pull, um, I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull three cards. I'm going to pull a card for 
our collective emotional body right now. What's happening in the present right now emotionally, just just so we can become aware of what um, what energy our emotional our collective emotional body is holding. Then we will pull a card for um, the the peace and harmony that is possible, right? Like how we can get to that place of peace and harmony. And then I'll pull a third card to show what the obstacles are um, to getting there. Yeah, sound good? I think that's that's what's coming through for me. Mm. Okay, so we're going to pull three cards right now in our present. What? What is in our present um, emotional body? What emotions are our collective experiencing at the moment? What may be hidden that we're not seeing in the emotional realm? Okay, then our second card we are pulling. What peace and harmony is possible for us? How can we come into a deeper peace with one another? How can the collective harmony find its balance? And a last one, what obstacles? And what obstacles are in the way of us reaching this peace and harmony and healing across the divides? What blocks or obstacles do we need to move through? Okay, let's see what we have. Ooh. 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 <laughs> okay, mm. a card that has been um, has been coming around for me a lot lately. So our first question was. Um, the, our emotional collective right now, our collective body, what we're, what's happening? We've got the eight of swords. Mm. Okay, so eight of swords. Um, I'm actually feeling, actually feeling this disconnect from the heart center, from the emotional center. Um, and why maybe some of us may be feeling the way we're feeling because we are maybe because it's so overwhelming right all of the things that are happening in the world it might be so overwhelming that we disassociate from some of those emotions some of those feelings because we're so tender right and so the the eight of wands or eight of swords swords is um like i said it's connected to the element of air it's connected to our mind what's happening in in the mind um and feeling like the the mind right and in this in this image this person um is seeing in the mirror like something that's not reality, right? Seeing a, a distorted view of reality, one in which they are powerless, one in which they are um, bound by these forces that are are beyond them. So if you're feeling, I'm, I mean, collectively, that's what I'm sensing. I'm sensing that a lot of us are feeling really overwhelmed and bound by these forces that are beyond our control, right? And when that happens, we have a tendency to feel our emotions, to feel powerless, right? To feel powerless, to feel like we are victims, like we are trapped, um, like there's nothing, nothing we can do in that, um, in that space. And so that is the energy of the, the Eight of Swords and really feeling like though there is this disconnect because we're sensing that in our mind, because we're experiencing that in our mind, um, we're not getting to a place where we feel like our emotions can support and guide us in a way forward, in a way to find that power and to break free from those um, situations that are overwhelming us. So usually Eight of Swords means that 
we're seeing one perspective and that one perspective is distorted, you know, it's distorted in the way that we see it um, because we feel powerless in that situation. Um, so let's move forward to see what we can do with that. So if we're feeling that energy, if we're feeling those emotions of being powerless, um, let's see what, what the hope is for the future because We've got a beautiful card for the second one. Our second card was um, the peace and harmony that is that is possible um, and how how we can get there. Okay, so what is possible for our peace and harmony? We've got the sun. Ah, <gasps> uh, the sun. The sun is such a beautiful card. So again, we're in the major arcana, so this is the bigger picture. It holds, um, usually it's like holding more weight um, than the other cards. And when you pull, when you pull a card like the sun, it automatically turns any, any reading you're doing into like a more positive energy. Needing the sun right now. Yeah. Like, and I feel like also, um, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm assuming most of us are in, in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. Apologies if you're not. But um, that that energy of, you know, we've just come out of this, uh, you know, just coming out of the, the winter hibernation and the sun is getting longer, the light is getting brighter, um, new life is merging here in the spring. And, um, that idea that when things come, when things come to light, when the truth comes to the light, so right here, we're in a more like, we're more bound up in the darkness. We can't see the truth. We're getting like this shadow vision and the sun is inviting us to bring, bring that all to the light, bring those shadows to the light um, to see, to see the truth. And the truth is that we all are divine beings. Even the people that we think are like the most evil in the world, they are divine beings, even as hard as that is to admit, right? And that understanding that, coming to realize that, bringing that to the light, is going to shine a light about how to how to move forward in a way that is one of peace and harmony, right? And this is sort of like coming into like an individual understanding, right? We're looking for ways to take our power back, right? Because the eight the eight of swords is taking our power away. Um, it's making us feel like we are a victim, like we're trapped in these outside circumstances. We can't do anything. The sun is telling you, you have the power within you to do something. You have this divine guidance, this divine light from within you that burns brighter than anything else um, in our, you know, in our galaxy. Um that you, you have that power in you. And when you can tap into that, when you can feel that, when you are um, coming from that source, you have the ability to see a way to create more peace and harmony in the world because you are that, um, that creator, right? You are, we are co-creating all together. And when we can realize and recognize that divine light that can guide us from within um, we can we can co-create a world of peace and harmony um, together in whatever small action that you um, that you connect with, right? All of us doing these small actions together um, is what is creating a collective peace and harmony. So it may feel insignificant, you may feel powerless, you may feel like a victim in outside circumstances. Um, it's time to change that narrative, change that narrative to you are a powerful divine being that every small act that you take is a catalyst for more peace and harmony in the world. If that is your intention, right? Come from that space of, um, of pure, pure divine consciousness, move that intention forward with every small act you're doing. and. Um, 
yeah, open up. I just like open up your arms wide and like sit in that energy of, um, joy and gratitude, even in the midst of so much turmoil and so much overwhelm. Um, and connecting into that is a way to ripple forward these energies of, um, peace and well-being and harmony for us all. Okay. So that's what's possible. <laughs> and I pulled a card with the, the blocks that are stopping us from getting there, right? So we've got the six of swords. So it's our mind. <laughs> we are back in, in the mind. And yeah, so this eight of swords, the six of swords is what's keeping us, uh, keeping us collectively trapped in these feelings of, um, being powerless. And the six of swords, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So the six of swords, um, it's talking about a journey. So I'm feeling like this block or this obstacle is something that's not, um, you know, something that's not immediately, it's not like this, it's not a small thing, right? It's not a small thing that you can just whoop, step over and everything's fine. We're over to the sun. Um, and really feeling like this is the, this is the journey from moving, you know, we're moving from the eight of swords to the sun. And this is the journey that we're on, right? We've decided, I don't want to be powerless anymore. I don't want to be a victim. I don't want these outside circumstances to, to determine what I um, can do. And so I'm going to get in the boat and go on a journey. I'm getting on a boat, going on the journey. Um, we're in the water. Slightly glimpse the shore here, right? Can slightly glimpse there is a place we're going to. Set set our sights on the sun, set our sights on that bright light that is, um, bringing us towards unity together, that peace and harmony that we're striving for. And so just noticing and being aware that like, this is a journey and it's not a time. It's not a time to, to give up. It's not a time to let yourself fall back into the Eight of Swords. It's a time to hold strong, hold strong to the sun. And you may not even see the sun in your lifetime, right? We're talking about collectively. We're talking about big, big picture. You might not even see that. You'll see glimpses of it come through, right? You'll see those sunbeams come down, but we're not going to see the full, um, the full picture of being being one um, all together in, in this earthly lifetime that we are in. So we need to recognize that we're on a journey and we need to recognize what we're going to, what we're going to pack along the way and what are our support systems that are going to carry us and choosing those in the way that where we want to go, right? So choose wisely. What are those things you want in your life? What are those practices you want in your life to guide you towards the sun? to guide you towards that peace and harmony and choosing what you want to take with you. What are you going to let, let go, right? You can only take one bag. There's only one boat. You can't take all your baggage with you. <laughs> so there is a time to let go of the baggage, right? Let go of the things you're holding on to. Let go of those stories that are telling you you're powerless um, and step into the boat with all of your, with all of your hopes and your aspirations that are moving towards the sun and then decide what practices you want to do, um, that are going to support you to get there. That's the story I got. <laughs> that is the story I've got for us today. Mm. Yeah. So next week we'll go into week two. Like I said, this is a six week series. And so week two, we'll be talking just about the 22 cards in the major arcana, that lifetime arc, um, that, the, what I call the fool's journey. Um, so we'll be exploring those archetypes that show up in those. And um, what else? 
Um, I also do personal readings as well. I do donation-based readings and one-on-one -on -one readings that if you, uh, if you want some personal guidance, um, you can find all that in my link here on Insight Timer or my website, which is just my name, meganoreen.com. And you can book in, um, book in for personal readings as well. So actually my, um, my main work, for those of you that are new to me, um, and you'll see on my, you know, on my, um, on my page here on Insight Timer and most of my meditations that I work with, um, uh, I'm a cyclical living guide. And so my, my main work is to, um, support people to align to the cyclical energies of the menstrual cycle, of the lunar cycle, and the earthly seasons um, as, a, as an antidote to linear ways of living and um, capitalism. And so, um, yeah, that's my... That's my passion. And if you ever get a reading from me, if you ever get a, um, a tarot reading from me, I usually bring a lot of that energy um, of cycle awareness into it because I see, um, I see all of the universe working in cycles, right? And even the tarot itself, like I shared, um, each of the suits go in, um, even the major arcana goes in a cycle. You know, it starts with the full in the beginning, which is like that that stage of newness, new adventure, um, taking a chance, taking a risk, um, you know, going forward. And then, you know, you go through all of the obstacles and all of the beauty that life gives you until you get to the end of the major arcana, which is the world card. And the world card is sort of like everything in perfect harmony together, perfect balance. But after the world, you go back to the full again because a new a change comes, a new perspective comes, a new adventure comes, and you start again. And we go through these um, we go through these cycles continually in our life. And so, um, all of my work is rooted in in that awareness, that awareness that we're moving through moving through cycles. Um, so, if that's of interest to you, you can um, come join join our circle. Follow me here on Insight Timer. Thank you, everybody. Um, yeah, hope you have a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. And I will see you again next week for our um, next, next live in the series. Mm -hmm. Sending you much love.